Well, we are in week number four of this series, and this series uh, presents such an important topic for us as followers of Jesus and those who are looking at the potential of following Jesus that we actually approach this topic at least every two years, somewhere in there. It is so important because we have decisions that we need to make every single day. Some of those decisions are huge, and some are just normal, everyday decisions. But either way, we want to make good decisions, right? We want to make decisions that are going to impact us in a great way instead of a horrible way. And some of the things we have to decide, well, um, if we're picking a trail for our life, which that's the motif we've used for this, some of those trails are clearly marked by God, and He gives us information in the new covenant about whether we should or should not do this, take this trail, don't take this one. He gives us some of that. And so we want to follow those. When we see a trail marker in the new covenant and he says, do, we want to do that. We want to take that trail. But some things are not that clear. Some things the new covenant doesn't address in detail. In other words, we said this, who should I marry? Well, the new New Covenant doesn't really tell you who you should marry. It gives us some general guidelines, but it doesn't say specifically, marry this person. Uh, it doesn't tell us where to go to school, if we should go to school, if we should go to vocational training, what career we should take. It doesn't tell us if we should leave this job, go to the next job. It just doesn't say. So we are left with so many decisions. Some are huge and some are small but we have many, many decisions that the new covenant does not clearly say, do this. And then you want to tie into kind of my human side on all of this, which says, okay, listen, God, yeah, I want to follow you, but I also, I don't want to miss out on any legal fun. I mean, if I'm allowed to do it, I want to do it. If it doesn't say no, then I might want to do it. So, uh, so I, I don't want to miss out on anything that's legal. I want to get as close to that maybe as without jumping over, you know, into this thing we call sin, but maybe get as close as I can. So we, I, I have in the past asked questions like this. Okay. So God, is there anything in the Bible that says, no, don't do that. And if it doesn't, then yeah, it's a yes, I could do it. Right. It has Harley or Cole ever taught anything and said, okay, here's the kind of the understanding we shouldn't do this. And if I haven't, can't remember any teaching, then it's like, okay, it must be all right. Um, so if it's not wrong, it must be right and I can do it. How close can I get to that without really stepping over? I, I don't want to miss any possible fun. So I would ask those questions. What does the Bible say? What have other teachers taught about it? And so those questions, though, had a problem. They led me toward, if I'm on the trail hiking, it's leading me toward the edge of the mountain. Now, that's not all that wise. It's not really a smart thing for me to hike on the edge of the mountain in this scenario because I know I'm going to fall. I know I'm going to trip and I'm going to fall. In fact, every single one of us, no matter what trail we are on, we are going to fall. We know that in advance. We're not perfect. We're going to trip and fall. The problem is if I have chosen a trail, a life trail that leads me toward the edge of the mountain, if I fall there, I'm in trouble. But a lot of times we kind of head off that way saying, well, it, it's not really wrong. The Bible didn't really tell me not to do that. So it's okay. I can head this way. 
But then we say, oh, yeah, fall. We might fall, but we'll worry about that later. We'll worry later. Let's go on a little further down this trail because, you know, it feels right. My heart's telling me, yes, let's do this. And if I do fall on that trail by the edge of the mountain, it's very possible I'm going to fall off the mountain, hurting myself and probably hurting a lot of people around me that I love. Very, very possible. Now, if we know we're going to fall, we're all going to fall. And if we know that life trail that we fall on is going to be important because if it's by the edge of the mountain, we might fall off the mountain, then maybe we need to stay safely away from the edge of the mountain. But if I'm asking the questions, is this okay? Or is this allowed? Or is there a verse in the Bible that tells me no? That is leading me on a trail toward the edge of the mountain. Because those questions lead me that way, we need a brand new question to ask ourselves. In this series, we've talked about that. We've talked about that. Not is this just something that God allows. Now, there's a better trail than that question because God wants me to live wisely. Wisdom is the standard, not the standard of, is this allowed? That's the standard we're called to, wisdom. The question that says, well, how far can I go without going too far? Well, that's the same thing as saying, how close can I get to this sin without sinning? How close can I get to the edge of the mountain without falling off? And that is not the standard of wisdom. The standard of wisdom asks, is this the wise thing for me to do? <laughs> Should I do this, not is it allowed? Is this the wise thing? Is this the wise trail for my life to pick at this moment? Is this trail leading me towards the edge of the mountain where I might face uh, a problem on the moral mountain and fall off? Or the financial mountain and fall off, or the bad habit mountain and fall off, or the addiction mountain and fall off. So we've been talking about how we could answer this question, what is the wise thing for me to do? And in this series, we have been continually going back to something that Paul wrote, and he was uh, inspired by God to write this, and I'm so glad he did. It was written in a letter to the church at Ephesus knowing, him knowing that letter was going to be rotated to all the churches. And guess what? It has made it here to us. We have it as well. It's in our new covenant and it's in the book of Ephesians chapter five. And we're going to look at verse 15 very quickly. This is just review. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Now we said that that word careful means so much more than just, uh, than just being cautious. It, it, it means that word literally means to stop and look all around you. Be careful. Stop. Look all around you. Make sure, and in the case of this series we're teaching, as we look all around us, let's look very closely at our past, what we have experienced in the past. And we have said, do not let your past keep using you. How many times have we repeated our past. The same type of relationship over and over and over again. The same type of habit over and over and over again. 
an addiction over and over and over again. And so if we're going to stop and be careful here and look at our past, then it's time for us to take our experiences in our past and use them instead of them using us. So we also need to, as we're looking around, not only look at the past, but we need to look at right now, what's happening right now, this current situation, this moment. So we want to look at our past, but we want to look at what's going on right now. And as we look around right now, we really want to be in touch with our feelings, our emotions, what, what is welling up inside of us. We want to look at that. And so that's going to impact our ability to make a good decision. So we want to look at our past. We want to look at what's going on right now. And then we want to look, as we're looking all around, as we're being careful and looking all around, we want to look all the way down as far as we can see into the future that God has designed for us. We want to look at our future hopes and dreams for our life. And so in relation to all that, here's the question we want to ask. In light of my past experience and my current situation and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? You see, every single decision that we make is going to be a very specific direction that we're going to head down on that life trail. Every decision, no matter how small or how big it might be. And we make many of those decisions every single day. It is heading down a very specific trail. That decision is leading us toward a very specific future, a very specific outcome. And that is going to be a trail that is leading toward God's future for us or away from it. There's no in-between. It's either toward it or it's away from it. So that is why Paul said in this verse, so be careful how you live. And then he goes on, don't live like fools. He says, but like those who are wise. And then he tells us how. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity. And he says, in these evil days. Every single opportunity, make the most of every single invitation that comes your way. Be careful, look all around, make the most of that. Make the most of every opportunity you have, every invitation. When someone says, hey, let's go do this, make the most of that. Be careful, look all around. Make the most of every decision that you have to make at work and at home and with your friends. The most, make the most be careful and look all around. Every single decision is an opportunity to pick a life trail. And it's going to lead toward the end result that God desires for you, or it's going to be away from it. Paul goes on, verse 17. He says, so don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. He said, don't just follow your heart. Don't just go with the flow. Don't take this casually, no matter how small the decision is, we need to not be thoughtless, but be wise as we pick a trail for our life. Even though it seems like a little tiny decision this hour, and then in 30 minutes we got another decision, we're picking trails constantly. He says, make the most of every opportunity and don't be thoughtless while you're doing it. And so we have to determine that every single decision we are making is going to lead us heading off in a certain direction. And that's what we know. 
So we've got to look at our past to help us. We've got to look at what's going on right now to help us. And we've got to look further down the road, down that trail, to see if we can figure out as best we can, where is this path headed? What direction am I going to go? What's, how's it going to impact my future? And here's what we said. Choosing a better trail means when I do fall on the trail, I won't fall off the mountain. You see, asking if it's allowed isn't the trail for you. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? Asking if it's allowed, that isn't the trail for you. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? So all of that now brings us to today. Some of you are saying, wow, I was when, wondering when you were going to stop with this recap because I've been here for all the other series. Some of you are saying, you know what, Harley, that makes some sense. I like that. But regardless, that brings us to the point today. And so today, Cole, who is in Malvern this morning, and me from here, we are going to give a case study. In other words, we're going to take this question and we're going to see if we can uh, apply it to our lives. So our case study today, we're going back to the life, uh, a, a little segment of the life of this guy that we find in the Old Covenant. His name is David. Now, we find David early on in the Old Covenant as a shepherd boy. He's a young man. We're not sure how old he is. We're not exactly told. But he's a shepherd boy, probably a teenager when we catch up with him. Uh, maybe, possibly around 15. That's just, that's just conjecture. We're not sure. But we know somewhere around that age, this shepherd boy who would go off with his family's flock, and he would be in charge of them in the wilderness. There would be no other uh, adults or people around, and he would have to take care of them. So around the age of 15, this young man named David, God chooses to anoint him as the next king of Israel, the shepherd boy. <laughs> and God chooses this young man at 15. So when the current king, who was the first king of Israel, by the way, his name was Saul, King Saul, when he dies, David now is going to be the king. He has been already anointed as the king, but his life doesn't change. He's still a shepherd boy, still a shepherd boy. So in the meantime, David has to kill lions to protect his sheep and himself, lions who were attacking. He had to kill bears. He had to kill all kinds of wild animals by himself. And he also runs across this nine foot tall, about nine foot tall giant soldier. And David goes into battle with him one-on-one -on -one, and David kills him as well. And he did all of that for, with that for that giant to protect all of Israel, not just his flock of sheep. So Things are looking pretty good for David. He's kind of on a hot streak as he's following God and choosing wise trails. He's on a hot streak. Now, the, one of the problems, King Saul becomes insanely jealous of this teenager, David. And King Saul wants him dead. And he has the resources to do it. <laughs> and so he tries for the rest of Saul's life he tries to kill David. 
to hunt him down with every resource he has. He tries to do that, and he tries to kill David. So David is now on the run, and it is miserable. So Saul, for some time now, has been on a trail. King Saul has been on a trail that is clearly leading away from God's plan. In fact, he's been on it a long time because that's why God anointed David in the first place because of decisions that King Saul was making. So he's leading a life trail away from God's plan. David has been picking trails that were on God's plan. So David on the wise trail, King Saul away from God towards the edge of the mountain for King Saul. And here's where we're going to pick up a snapshot of this. Now, David is now a man, not a teenager, not a young man. He's a man. And David is experienced in battle. But it's David against the world, basically, right now. King Saul. Verse 1 of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 24. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David... Uh, had gone into the wilderness in Engedi. Verse 2. So Saul choose, he chose 3,000 3, elite troops from all of Israel. You can basically consider these the Navy SEALs, but not one unit, 3,000 Israeli Navy SEALs, special forces. 3,000 to go hunt him down because Saul now knows the area where David is. So it says, he went to search for David and his men. Now David did, by this time, have some men following him, about 600. 600, that's all, compared to Saul's 3,000 special forces. David had 600. And it says that uh, Saul knew he was near the rocks of the wild goats. I find this interesting. They still know exactly where that mountain range is today. That mountain range, the rocks of the wild goats, it's even still called that at times. Now, they don't know exactly today where David was in that range, but they know exactly where that was. And also, by the way, yes, there are still wild mountain goats there, thousands of years later, the wild goats are still there too. Verse 3, at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Yep, you read that right. <laughs> you read it right. But this happened, da, da, da. the plot changes right here. David and his men were hiding further back into that very cave. They didn't know they had chosen Saul's restroom. But that's where they were, hiding in another stall, deeper into the cave, all 600 of them. So they're further into the cave. Saul chooses his cave. And here's what David's men tell David. They say, all right. They whisper it to him. All right, today, David, today, 
The Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power and you can do as you wish. All right, now David is faced with a decision. He has what Paul would call an opportunity. Now here's a way for David to get out of all of his frustration tired of running, out of his fear, running and hiding. David's men are inviting him, David, to solve their problem too because they've been hiding as well and running as well. And they're like, David, you can take care of all of our problems right now. So here's the question. What trail is David going to pick? So here's our case study for us. So let's help David out today. We can read what the the story says and know, and we'll get there in just a moment. But let's help him out, and let's take this question uh, of not wanting, of being careful how we live, and not not, uh, being wise with every opportunity that comes our way, and let's apply this to the life of David right now and help him decide. Because we know this, that choosing a better trail means when I do fall, I won't fall off the mountain. So let's help David out to not fall off the mountain. And we know that just asking if it's allowed, that's not the trail for you. Instead, what is the wise thing to do? So let's help David make this decision. Here we go. What is the wise thing to do? King Saul, wow. David, this could end all your problems right now. So do we want to let King Saul live Or do we want to go ahead and kill King Saul and end our problem? Here are the questions. If that's our decision to make, in light of my past experience, okay, well, let's talk about his past experience. David's men brought up his past experience, and they're basically like saying, okay, David, listen, yes, King Saul, David, has been trying to kill you for years now. He has made your life miserable for years now. So kill him first, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And you'll be free for the rest of these years. Okay, that's what they saw as the past. And there may be some truth to that. Yeah, they. but let's let's have David think about his past. David, in light of my past experience as David, what is the wise thing to do? And so David would certainly have to think about all those animals, those wild animals, a lion against a teenage boy, a lion, and he killed it. I mean, God showed himself strong on behalf of David and that he protected not only David, but the flock. He would have to think about those bears and, and those, you know, he would have to think about the lion. Yeah, that's. So yeah, when I think about my past, David would say, yeah, God has showed himself strong for me in the past. And after all, we can't forget about Goliath, the giant, the the navy seal of the Philistines, the nine foot tall guy. But yet David, God showed himself strong on behalf of David and David killed that enemy and that enemy never killed him, obviously. God showed himself strong. God protected me. I have proof of it in my past. So David, is Saul bigger than God? And David would have to say no. Saul, by no means, is bigger than God. So in light of my past experience, I also believe 
God is faithful. Everything he told me he was going to do, he did. And God told me now that he was going to make me king. That wasn't my plan. That was God's plan. He told me that. And since my experience has shown me that everything God says that he will do in my life or do for me or on my behalf, he has done. So in light of my past experience, okay, I think I can check the box. I know what I probably should do here in light of my past experience. I need to trust God. I don't need to take Saul's life in my own hands. I need to trust God with this. So check. We made that part of the decision, but there's two more questions to go. In light of my past experience and now my current situation. All right, David, let's see. What is going on for me right now? Well, at this very moment, I'm trapped in a cave. I'm being chased at this very moment by 3,000 super soldiers. And that's scary. That's frightening. That's given me all kinds of feelings and all kinds of emotions. And I know this, all kinds of adrenaline and I'm hyped up in this moment. And I know this, feelings are great for experiencing life, but feelings are horrible for making decisions for us. So I need to ask, is there an emotion right now that is trying to take control of this decision? Is fear trying to take control or anger? What's going on? Is something trying to take control of this? Is there some kind of desire welling up inside of me that is trying to to be met in an illegitimate way? What's happening inside of me? Is there frustration? Is there an overabundance of adrenaline? And I, I need, is all of that trying to take over the decision-making process, take it away from me and take it away from God and make that decision for me? You see, I need to feel those things. I need to feel that adrenaline and that, that anxiety. That I need to feel all of those emotions. I need to feel them. I need to experience them but I don't need to allow them to make my decision. Okay, so it appears that even though I have all this anxiety and all this fear and frustration and anger, I'm not going to let that rule. I'm not going to let that be the deciding factor on this decision to let Saul live or die. So in light of my past experience, check. In light of my current situation, what's the wise thing to do? check, but we still have one more question. In light of my past experience, my current situation, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So let me think about this. If I were David, let's think. What are God's plans for my future? God said back here some time ago, God said, I'm going to make you king, David. That's not my plan. That's God's plan. God's plan for me in the future, he's going to make me king. You see, my future, I have decided at some point, David would say, my future belongs to God. I'm giving it to him. Whatever he wants, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. What you want, God, I want. That's my future. But if I make a wrong choice right now, 
I could leave your trail, God, and head off on my own away from that future that you want for me. So David, here I am. I've got to get this right. Or I could end up missing out on the future that God has for me. See, and this not only impacts me, but it impacts everybody around me if I choose wrong. Okay. So do I play God and make myself king right now by killing Saul? Or do I wait and let God work it out? Because that's the future. It's his future he has for me. It's not mine. Do I wait on God? And I think David answers the question. We'll find out in a minute. Here's the question. In light of my past experience, my current situation, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And here we have, so David crept forward. So he has his knife or his sword. He crept forward and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Now I know that doesn't sound like a big deal to us. It's a big deal. We don't have time to talk about what a big deal it is. Someday we'll teach on that. It's really cool. But not today. Verse 5. So he cuts off a piece of the hem of that robe. And David then goes back to his men. But then David's conscience began bothering him. And that's part of the reason why this was all a big deal. Because he had cut off, uh, he had cut Saul's robe. Verse 6. He said to his men, oh, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord and King. I, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed because he was, he is still King, King Saul. David's not King till he's dead. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. Verse seven, so David returned to his men, did not let them kill Saul. And after Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him. So he comes out of the cave and he hollers. He says, my Lord and King. And when Saul looked around, David did what was respectful and expected and, and humble and submissive. He bowed low before the king and he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to your people who say, I'm trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it is not true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave, and some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. And then it goes on in verse 16. When David had finished speaking, Saul hollered back, Is that really you, son of David? My son David, I mean? Then says Saul, uh, he began to cry. And he said to David, you are a better man than I am for you have repaid good. My, you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you. Wow, this is so big. May he reward you well for your kindness. You have shown me today. Verse 20. And now, King says, he, now I realize that you are surely going to be the king 
and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. In light of my past experience, my current situation, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Great case study for us. And David did go on to become king. King Saul did eventually die. And, and, and Israel did flourish under the rule of King David. David at that time, he selected the wise trail using wisdom, not an emotion, not a feeling, not just following his heart, not something that would just advance his position. David used wisdom that time. But Paul says we have to use wisdom with every opportunity. Paul reminds us of that. So now let's flash forward to David later. David, who is now the king, been king now at this next snapshot for around 10 years, somewhere in there. David is now king, 10 years long for Israel, and Israel is doing great. And David is doing great. And so one day David takes a little stroll on his rooftop. And he's looking all around his kingdom that he can see right here. The houses around him, the rooftops around him. Loving his kingdom. Things are great. Things are awesome. But David sees something. What? And he looks. Rather, he sees someone. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. And you see, David is married many times over. And now he sees a young woman taking a bath who is also married. Well, well, well. What do we have here? Apparently, we have an opportunity. We have an invitation. We have a decision to make. Let's see, David. In light of my past experience, let's see. Okay. Uh, when it comes to the ladies, David would have to say, I, if I have time on my hands, I tend to get in trouble and I end up with another wife. That's my past experience. So maybe I need to be extra careful here. In light of my past experience, my current situation, well, currently, right now, what's going on? Let's see. My thoughts are out of control. Check. My, uh, my body is telling me to do something. Check. I've got this desire welling up inside of me. I need to be careful. Something is trying to take control of this decision. And it seems to be my heart and my emotions and my feelings. I need to be extra careful in light of my past experience, my current situation. And now let's see, my future hopes and dreams. Let's see. Um, I know that God tells us this, as the king would know, because he made it clear, where the heart of the king goes, so goes the nation. And you know what? 
it is very possible, if I'm King David, very, very possible that if that applies to a nation, it might apply to a family. Where the heart of a father goes, so goes his family. Whoa. Let's see. My future hopes and dreams. So what is the wise thing to do? Now, let's be honest. We know the wise thing to do because this is one of those moments that is clearly marked by God. <laughs> I mean, he gave, David knew that God had a trail marker and it was away from Bathsheba, not toward her. God clearly had that marked and David ignored it. But even if we did still apply the wisdom questions, they all fail. They all fail. We, we know what David should do just because God has already told us. But wisdom confirms it. And David says, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with that later. And David sends her an invitation to his palace and more specifically an invitation to his bed. And they both just go ahead with their plans and they go off trail away from God, away from him. They ignore God. They ignore wisdom. He knows it's not wise, but he rushes into it and he does it anyway. Remember what we said last week? I told coach, we're going to, here's a proverb, Proverbs 14, verse 12. We said this last week. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. David was like, this feels right. I, I, I know I shouldn't, but this feels right. And he goes, in light of my past experience and my current situation, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And David just ignored it. What did we talk about last week? Here's another proverb, 27. A prudent person foresees danger. In other words, they look further down that trail than what's happening right now. Where's this trail headed? They foresee danger and they take precautions. In other words, whoa, oh, not going down there. We're going to go this way. They take precautions, but the simpleton, he just blindly goes on and he suffers the consequences. The simpleton, he, he's like, I'll deal with the trouble later. I'm going this way. Or he, he just completely ignores it. Doesn't even look carefully and just goes. Or he sees that it's danger and says, I don't care. He goes anyway. That's the simpleton. And he suffers the consequences. And that's what David and Bathsheba did. And you know what the result was? Well, she got pregnant. And you know what David did next? David had her husband killed. So now David is a murderer. Not just dealing with adultery. Now where he's a murderous adulterer. He had her husband killed so that he could marry her as well. 
with all his other wives. As a result of David's decision, David's future and David's family was never the same. History tells us that baby died. History tells us that David's family fell apart. He had one of his sons rapes one of his daughters. So one of his other sons goes and murders the rapist son. And then that son who murdered him, he, he runs off and, 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 and hides, goes into hiding. He raises up eventually an army and takes over Israel, steals Israel away from his dad. And his dad, King David, has to go run. And, and he's on the, uh, on, on the run again, hiding for his life again. David never really recovered, and David's family never recovered. And I think it can all be traced back to that one very unwise decision. You see, God has a plan for each one of us. This may be your very first time here today. God has a plan for you. And God has a desired future for you. But we have to make decisions today and then tomorrow and the next day that are going to keep us following his plan. And to do it, it's going to take us making wise decisions every day where the Bible is not clear, where it does not say specifically then we have to make a wise decision on that that's going to keep us on his plan. And yes, we are going to fall on every trail we ever pick this side of heaven. We will fall at times for the rest of our lives. But when we fall, if we have been following the wise path, the wise trail, and God just simply helps us get back up. And yeah, we have some consequences and we go through that, but we have not devastated our life by falling off the edge of the mountain. And we have not devastated the people who are close to us. But if we start making unwise decision on our, decisions on our life trail, they will always lead us toward the edge of the mountain. And when we fall there, we might very well fall to our destruction. And our family is going to be left dealing with it as well. God desires to keep us on his trail, his plan for our lives. That's his desire. But we're the ones, by his, his providence, he allows us to make the decisions to pick our own trails. So while it's his desire that we stay on his wise path, we're the ones who have to make that decision as we pick trails. Many times, every single day, we have to make that decision. So as we finish this morning, here's where we wrap it up. What does Harley 
hope for us, myself included, as a church. Here's my hope. I hope that you will memorize this question. I hope you will, all three parts of it. I hope you'll memorize this question in light of my past experience and my current situation and my future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing for me to do? And when you're faced with an opportunity, with an invitation or a desire that that wells up inside of you, and if your mind and your body is saying, yeah, go for it, will you stop? Will you hit pause? And because you're developing a new habit of stopping before you decide, will you pause? And be careful how you live. And so in being careful how we we live, will we look all around us? And as we're doing it, make sure we look at our past so we can use our past instead of our past repeating itself and using us. Let's look at our past. And, And let's look at right now. What's happening right now? What emotions do I have right now? Are they trying to take control of this decision right now? And then look at our future, the future that God has for you, that he wants for you, that he has planned for you. Look at that. And then answer the question in light of my past experience, in my current situation, in my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? And then do that. Don't do something because it's allowed. Don't do something because your heart is saying, yeah, go for it. Don't do something because you haven't seen a verse in the Bible that says no. Instead, with God's help, do the wise thing. Let's pray. Father, where you are clear in your word, may we listen to you and may we follow you. But God, where you don't direct us specifically, may we use your wisdom, Father. And may we not wander off the trail, a trail that's going to lead us to the edge of the mountain. God, we ask you to help us. Help us to use our past so we can make a wiser decision instead of allowing our past just to dredge up all of this emotion and make us feel bad and guilty. God, help us to use our past instead. And God, help us to experience emotions in this life, but to not let them have the steering wheel to make decisions. And God, help us to look further down the trail to see if if this path, this decision is ultimately going to lead me away from you or toward your, your plan, Father. And we need your wisdom the future of our relationships and the future of our children and our families and even our friends. We need wisdom from you, Jesus. And may we submit to you, Jesus. And we ask all of these things in your name. Amen.